Yes, after a long summer, the Gloucester Vineyard Church podcast has returned and we forgot the recording device. But instead, we got it on a phone. So please enjoy this week's message and the reverberant tones of Daniel and Emily. Good morning, everybody. Um, Here we are um, at the beginning of a new chapter in our church's life. And we're really, really excited to be back together and to be singing, to be having coffee and donuts again, all of that. And we have come out of the other side of the pandemic. Um, We're still together. We still love each other, mostly. Um, We've grown and we're closer in, and actually in many ways, um, there's a lot more health coming out of this pandemic and this time within our church than when we went into. Um, And this new chapter for us is just a really important one for us as a church. Um, When we went into lockdown one, it was March 2020, we had just celebrated our second birthday as a church, Um, so we were still feeling really fresh into church planting, um, and it takes years and years for a church family to kind of form and grow and establish cultures and figure out how we're going to reach our city and our neighbours together, and for us, that process was just massively interrupted. The process of establishing all of those things was really interrupted by having to completely reinvent how we do things. And, I mean, actually, the last 18 months, we wouldn't change it at all, would we, really? Um, There's been so many positives. Um, We're really grateful for the way that um, we have all been formed as individuals, um, but also as a community over the last 18 months. Um, We've learned loads of lessons, we've found new focuses, we've had our priorities shaken um, and it's just been a real healthy time for us to figure out what the heck is going on. Um, But now the time has come for us to emerge into um, some kind of new normality. Um, Some more settled times when we can be who God has called us to be um, for the long term, not just the short term. And so Daniel and I just wanted to take the first three talks of this term to um, articulate three specific things um, that we feel God has called us to focus on as a community um, as we come out of COVID and into this new season. And we're going to be taking a week to unpack each of these. Um, We're going to be reminding ourselves of the vision of the church and what our family values are at the same time. Um, So over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about discipleship, multiplication, and blessing. Um, And this week, we're going to be talking about discipleship. Um, What on earth is that, and why should we care? Okay, so obviously those guys um, didn't get much of a notice that they were going to die. They didn't know they were going to die, and I think if they did, they might have put some more thought into their last words. I think if it was me, I probably would have tried to say something slightly more profound than I'm bored. Um, But obviously they didn't know it was coming, and you'd kind of need to know it was coming, apart from the chappie who got burnt at the stake. The the writing was on the wall at that stage, wasn't he? Um, But not so with Jesus. Jesus actually has some very famous last words, uh, but Jesus did have some, a little advantage because he knew it was coming. Um, and Jesus' last words are pretty, last words are pretty special, um, and I like them so much because they're instructions. I'm a bit of a task-orientated guy, so the fact that Jesus' last words are instructions, I quite like that. Um, 
and he gave these instructions to anybody who would be inspired by his life and his message and who would choose to identify with him in his death and resurrections. Instructions to anybody who would want to be a part of a church like ours. Um, and so we're going to be looking at those instructions. There. Whose last words, what did Jesus say just before he, well, what were his last words? Emily is going to unpack the story so far. I was going to say, let's do a brief synopsis of Jesus to this point. Um, so, Jesus was born around 2,000 years ago. Um, he was raised in a Jewish household, going to temple, learning the Torah, the Jewish holy book. Um, and when he was 30, he got baptised by a guy called John, and he started announcing that the kingdom of God was on earth. And as he was doing this, he um, gathered around him a group of unlikely characters, um, from fishermen to tax collectors, um, and he called these guys his disciples or his apprentices. Um, now, what Jesus was saying and how Jesus was living um, was starting to cause a bit of a stir locally. Um, it kind of gained some momentum and basically everything about Jesus started to rub up against the power structures of the day. Now, these power structures didn't like Jesus at all, um, or how their people were changing because of him, um, and they wanted to silence Jesus by killing him. And that's exactly what they did. But what they didn't realise was that this was exactly the master plan. Um, three days after Jesus was killed, he rose from the dead and went to be with his apprentices again. Woo! Yeah, thank you. Um, and so, um, after a few weeks of being with his apprentices and more teaching, um, Jesus gathers his disciples on a hill, and this is where we hear about Jesus' last words um, in uh, Matthew's biography of, of his life. Right at the very end, it reads this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, we know from other biographies of Jesus' life that after Jesus said these words, he ascended into heaven. Um, and the point is that this was Jesus' final moment, face to face with his disciples. And he used that moment to commission them, to send them out. Yeah, so this is that great big task that I was talking about just now. Jesus said to his apprentices, go into all the world, go everywhere, and baptise people, which is, means kind of give people a fresh start um, from their pasts, teaching them to, in turn to be disciples, to be apprentices of Jesus. Jesus had demonstrated to these guys what life in the kingdom should look like, and now he was commissioning his apprentices to go and do it, because it was now their turn. Now, there's just three things that we need to pay attention to really quickly if we're going to understand what Jesus was talking about. Firstly, the fact that this would not have been a surprise for the disciples. De Jesus didn't actually invent the idea of discipleship. It was actually what all of the cool rabbis were doing back then. A rabbi is kind of like a Jewish religious leader, kind of like a pastor, but, but not really. The idea is what they'd do is they'd kind of gather the best and brightest to them, and they'd teach them, and one day there'd be a commissioning moment where they'd say, okay, now it's your turn. You go and gather some disciples, and you teach them how you want to live. And Jesus was doing the same, but the big difference was that he didn't gather the best and brightest. He he gathered anybody and everybody towards him. 
Um, and so these apprentices of Jesus were waiting for this moment of commissioning when they would go. The second thing for us to notice is how Jesus' heart is to work through his apprentices. You know, Jesus could have just cracked on on his own. He could have just kind of gone, okay, guys, you, you crack on. I'm just going to go somewhere else. But he knew that if his kingdom was going to come all over the world, um, that he, they, he needed loads of little Jesuses all over the place rather than just one. Did you know that that's actually what Christian means? It was invented as an insult to mean little Jesus. Um, but it's actually kind of a compliment because that's exactly what Jesus told his people to go and be. Go and be a little Jesus everywhere that you go. Um, go and make little copies of yourself. And that's how the church has grown, making thousands and thousands of little copies of Jesus. Um, but finally, this process of discipleship, it's not just about multiplication. This isn't just Jesus' genius multiplication strategy. Um, this is actually Jesus' strategy for saving the world. See, our Bibles start with a problem. We read about it in the first book called Genesis. And the, the problem with the world is that you know, God made the world wonderful and perfect, but that wonderful perfectness has been corrupted that we've been bent out of shape as human beings, that human beings were created to be good and wonderful, but that we've been corrupted. Um, and actually, the human beings had already been given a task. They'd already been given a job. But because they'd been bent and broken out of shape, and they started to believe that God wasn't good, and we started taking matters into our own hands, we've made a massive mess of the world. Humans were originally designed to look, think, and act like God in the world, spreading his love and ruling the world on his behalf. Um, but instead, we filled it with our own agenda, and we end up making a mess of the world, and it's the mess that we witness here today. Jesus calling human beings to be his apprentices is his master plan for returning us to our original job description, to our original purpose. He's offering to heal us from the ways that we've been bent out of shape by this world, and he's teaching us a lifestyle designed around love. He's showing us how to be truly human. He, you know, to live lives designed by our original purpose. Apprenticeship to Jesus is the means by which we as humans get restored and grow into our identities as human beings made in the image of God. Woo! Come on. Emily's excited about that. Come on. Come, come on. on. Thank you. Um, absolutely. So Daniel's clearly very excited about this. Um, but I guess one of my big first questions would then be, but isn't discipleship or apprenticeship just for the elite Christians um, who just want to be really religious? Like, that's, that's what the rabbis did, isn't it? They got the best and the brightest, brought them along, and made little copies of themselves, so to speak. But if Daniel is right, if discipleship is a process by which we reveal and discover our very humanity, then this has to be for everyone. Um, and Jesus demonstrated that it, it isn't just for the best of writers, that we touched on this earlier, but Jesus invited everyone in. He didn't have just the best and the brightest around him. He had the uneducated fishermen. He had the corrupt tax collectors. If we have a belief that this world and human beings have been corrupted by an evil outside influence and that discipleship is the process by which we learn to fight that, then this has to be for all of us. It is for the single parent who has been left feeling worthless by their partner's actions. It is for the 
refugee finding their feet in a new country, not speaking the language, and having all of the traumatic memories before. Discipleship is for the person who is just going to work each day, paying the bills, saving for retirement, but with no real purpose. Like, what is that all about? Apprenticeship to Jesus is a process of being healed and restored to the state that we were created to be. There's a guy called Jay Pafak who oversees the vineyard movement in the US, um, and he puts, he's got this little phrase which we wholeheartedly agree with. He says, for too long, the church has made the message of Jesus about getting people to heaven, when Jesus was all about getting heaven into people. And that is what Jesus' message is all about. This is what his church is all about. This is a really important um, thing for us all to grasp. Um, but there's also a really important distinction just to make. Because discipleship, apprenticeship, it is not just a Christian brand of self-help. It's not be the best you you can be. This is not a process of becoming more yourself. Apprenticeship to Jesus is a process actually of becoming more like him. It is radically different from the dominant narrative these days that you need to be more like yourself and you need to find yourself within yourself. Jesus laid it out really clear when he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Do you hear that? That we must deny ourselves, not become more like yourself from within yourself, actually become less like yourself. Now, hear me right, this is not saying that we are not wonderful and unique. It's not saying that we're not made for a specific purpose. It's not saying that God doesn't love our individual makeup. He absolutely adores it. But it is saying that the route to true humanity is not found in self-reflection, but is found in fascination with who God is and wanting to be more like him. The message and the meaning of discipleship is that in becoming more like God, becoming more like Jesus, we discover what it means to be truly human. That becoming more happy within ourselves, feeling more purposeful, more meaningful, more content, is not done by looking deeper into ourselves. It is done by looking deeper into our Creator. To discover who He is, and therefore who we were made to be. It is, it is good. It's a deeply profound process. This is the Christian life. It's so easy for us in the West to treat our faith as an optional bolt-on to our life, to kind of treat Christianity as a crutch or a comfort or a religion where we just pick the bits that we like and the bits which make us feel better and then crack on with, um, with our lives as we please. But that is not what Jesus has in mind when he calls us to be his disciples. 
Jesus explained it to his um, apprentices really well, um, and a recent translation describes it like this. He said, these words that I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. Jesus' whole agenda was that people were radically changed from the inside out to look more like Father God the image that we were created in. And sometimes that process is wonderful and liberating, and sometimes that process is really hard and messy and takes a super long time. But the point is that to follow Jesus is to say yes to this process, to say yes to God's agenda, to release you from the sickness of sin and restore you to your original purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what? What does this mean for us? Why should we care? What does this look like in practice for us as individual people and for us as Gloucester Vineyard Church? You know, as Emily mentioned, we're at the beginning of a new little chapter of our church life. You know, we're launching into this new chapter and into, hopefully, more subtle times. I, I personally enjoy it. You heard it here first, guys. COVID is done. I'm like, come on. I'll have some of that. Um, but as Emily and I were praying about what we should do to start um, this new term and kind of what our focus should be, we really felt that God kind of called our hearts back to this really simple idea of apprenticeship to Jesus. And that that idea has really got to be totally core to who we are and driving everything that we do. We want to call everyone who comes into contact with our church into apprenticeship to Jesus. Not just so that they can start to think and behave differently, but because we believe that apprenticeship apprenticeship with Jesus is the very means by which God is saving the world. We really do believe that. So when people encounter our church on a Sunday morning or encounter you guys at work or whatever happens, um, we want to give them a taste of the goodness of God and encourage them to start their apprenticeship with him. And for those of us who have already said yes to Jesus, it's about reminding us that this is not like a ticket to heaven deal. We don't say yes to Jesus so that we can have our afterlife destination of choice. We say yes to Jesus, and we say yes to that commission that we mentioned earlier on. Saying yes to Jesus means submitting to his agenda in our lives to restore our very humanity. Saying yes to Jesus means committing to making more apprentices. Um, Saying yes to Jesus means joining him in his mission to bring heaven to earth. You know, if you're here today and you've said yes to Jesus, I just ask you, does that describe your Christianity? You know, like, are are we looking for people who need to have their humanity restored? Like, are we ready to share the difference that Jesus has made in our lives? Like, are you a mini-Jesus? How many of us have relegated our faith to a bolt-on in our our lives, just treating it like a ticket to heaven in our our back pocket? And, And if that's you... That's me, you know? Now is the time to wake up. 
Now is the time to wake up. It's time to start taking our commission seriously. It's time to shake off the introspective, like self-preservative perspective that COVID has given all of us. You know, we've all just been in self-preservation mode. And taking seriously the fact that Jesus' commission started with the word go. You know, it started with the word go. Guys, I am saying this to myself as much as I'm saying it to you guys. You know, this is not a criticism. This is a call. I'm not trying to beat us down. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm trying to wake us up. Anybody else feeling a little bit sleepy post-COVID? A little bit dry, a little bit crusty around the edges? A couple of you are nodding. I know you're all crusty around the edges. Um, I'm going to stand up. Apprenticeship to Jesus is meant to be an adventure. You know, it's meant to be a journey digging deep into who God is and who he's made us to be. Oh, so much better to be standing up. Um, it's not about sitting in a destination. It's about fighting for the next hill. We need to choose to wake up and get out of bed. Myself included, welcome to the next season of our church's life. Our neighbours need a taste of heaven. Amen? Anybody agree with that? Our county is in need of heaven coming to earth. And God has chosen to make that happen through us. As mad as that seems, that's what he's decided. He's chosen to do it through us as his partners. For each of us, saying yes to being Jesus' apprenticeship is saying yes to being changed. It's saying yes to being challenged and transformed. It's saying yes to being uncomfortable. It's saying yes to laying stuff down which is holding us back. It's saying yes to a process and a journey. And for each of us, the next step in that process and that journey is going to look completely different. But for all of us, it means deciding to go on that journey and committing to it. So I'm just going to give you a personal example. So for me, over the last few months, God's been really challenging me in my apprenticeship to Jesus um, about how I make decisions. He's been showing me how many of the decisions that I make in my day-to-day -day life are actually based on fear, based on things that I'm scared of, rather than based on trust in Him. How many times do I take the safe option just in case I look really stupid if I fail? How many of the decisions do I make are not based on God's goodness, but based on what other people would think of me if it doesn't go well? He's been walking me through the things in life that I fear the most. It's been a real barrel of laughs, I'm going to tell you. But this is what apprenticeship to Jesus is all about, because I believe that he wants to form me into someone who accurately represents his image, who shows the goodness of God to the whole world. And so I'm trying my best to engage with the process. It's taking flipping ages, and it's really hard work, but I can see the fruit of what he's starting to birth in me. Yeah, so I get my, my chance now to share what God's been doing with me. Great, thank you, Daniel. You're welcome. Um, for me, as I say, a rather um, prominent kind of current thing at the moment is just how much I need people to like me um, and preferably love me. Uh, like not even just being neutral, I'd really like it if you all actively liked me. Um, and God has been really showing me this um, at the moment. Um, I've been kind of highlighting ways in which I have shied away from conversations or decisions or leadership moments um, because it's been more important to me that I am liked um, and I don't want to jeopardise that really by doing something wrong or naive or silly. 
Um, and so I find that really tough because this is something I can't just make myself think differently overnight um, as much as I might like to. Um, and so for the last few months, I've been actively trying to live more fully by stepping into those conversations, into those decisions and into those moments of leadership particularly. Um, and I've been actively reminding myself of what God thinks of me, um, speaking his promises over me um, and, and praying day in, day out, that my heart and my mind might change and grow to become more like him. That I might care less about ensuring that everyone loves me and live from a place of confidence that God does. Okay, that's all for this week. I hope that blessed you. If you've enjoyed this week's podcast, then please do share it with a friend. If you'd like to keep up to date with the podcast, consider subscribing. Also, if you'd like to get involved with what we're doing here in Gloucester, then all the details can be found on our website at gloucestervineyard.org.